Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today is Sonia Jackson-Miles. Sonia has had a really, really interesting career and a more interesting pathway to where she is now. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about a wonderful organization she founded, and she also serves as president and CEO of the Sister Accord, which is uh, really, really just I mean, it really, you connect the head and the heart, Sonia, in such an interesting way. Uh, and we're thrilled to have you here on Great Minds. So welcome. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Well, we're going to have some fun. So, Sonia, you have worked for three really interesting companies. Yes. Yes. Bellwether companies for this country, Ford, Gillette, and Procter & Gamble. Yes. And you started with Ford almost... I guess, 30, a little more than 30 years ago. Uh, and I'd love to talk about your reflections working for those three great corporations, which literally, you know, are as much as any three I could think of, bellwethers of the economy, yes. um, huge employers in this country, industries, Ford in particular, that's gone up and down quite a bit. Um, and I'd also like to overlay that Talking about Midwest values, we were just having a little conversation about New York and the Midwest. And there's something about folks I find from the Midwest that their values are different. So let me give the ball to you and you can take it any way you like. Well, thank you again for having me. It's such an honor. You know, I feel so very fortunate to have worked for three amazing companies during my corporate career. Ford Motor Company, the Gillette Company, and Procter & Gamble. What I would say is so incredible about my experiences in each of those companies was the learning. You know, coming into the automotive industry, I am a car fanatic. So I'm one of those people. And let me tell you what my first car was. I have to tell you this. My first car after graduating from college was a candy apple red. Mustang GT convertible 5.0 and with white leather seats and a white top. I should have kept that car. But what I learned, even though all of my studies were in marketing and I just knew that I was going to go to corporate America and be this amazing marketer, but I decided to start my career in purchasing. And that opportunity in purchasing gave me the ability to learn how to run a business, the fundamentals of business. And especially, you know, on such a large scale as Ford Motor Company. So going in and understanding the intricacies of uh, the technology associated with everything that I was doing, buying engines, buying sun visors and headliners and all of these things gave me such a wonderful platform to springboard. Now that I am an entrepreneur, I am able to go back to those things, those fundamentals and pull on those as I have started my own business and and helping other uh, businesses as well. But it was just, it was an incredible opportunity at such a young age to have these opportunities to learn in a way that allowed me to then serve with excellence in everything that I was doing. And Ford Motor Company gave me that start. Then when I decided to leave automotive and test my leadership skills 
in the consumer products industry, I really wanted to say, now, wait a second, I've had great success here at Ford Motor Company. Are these skills, this leadership style that I created because I didn't see it when I was, when I was growing up there, I didn't see this servant leadership, you know, this, this whole notion of being kind and compassionate. I didn't see that because the automotive industry is rough and tumble, right? And I wanted to show that there were, there were some different ways of how we could lead. And so I wanted to take that experience and everything that I had learned at Ford and try it in a different industry. And so having the opportunity to go to the Gillette company and focus on the indirect side of purchasing, because most of my experience was on the direct side of purchasing, I said, oh, this will set me up for being a chief procurement officer one day. Well, guess what? That was not to be my path. And that's why I say to all of my mentees, the path may go this way and then it may go that way and then it goes up and then it goes down and back. I don't want you to lose it and be overly concerned if the pathway is different than what you may have imagined. And so going to the Gillette company was such an amazing opportunity for me. We moved on New Year's Day, 2004. About a year into my tenure at Gillette, I get a phone call in the middle of the night and my friend says, hey, did you know that P&G is buying us? And I said, oh no, all I do know is this, I am not moving to Cincinnati, Ohio. Or where do we live today? Cincinnati, Ohio. And that was because P&G, an amazing company, said, hey, we want you to lead part of the integration of Gillette into P&G, and we want to create a role for you. We are trying to bring media buying into purchasing. And so we want you to design the global media sourcing organization and then run it. And at the time, P&G was the largest advertiser in the world. And I'm like, oh, this is it. I have died and gone to heaven because I was able to bring my marketing self with my purchasing self to serve with excellence. And so it was just, you know, I, I could not have written a better story or journey for myself with these three companies. So sounds like the path you took gave you an incredible foundation. Yes. That you could do almost anything with. You understand how the engine works when you lift up the hood. Exactly. By the way, I had two Ford Mustangs, actually three. Oh my gosh. I had, a, my first one was a 68 convertible. Oh my God. It was a horrible aqua color. Oh, yes. Uh, with black interior. My second was a 67 candy apple red. <laughs> and in between, my grandfather bought me the first one for $1,500. All the floorboards in the back seat were rusted out. There was oh, a, literally a wooden board. If you picked up the wooden board, you saw the concrete goodness. underneath. Oh, my goodness. And then my dad got me a 77 yellow hatchback oh. this was the bad era of mustangs oh. with t-roofs which did not leak mm. but it was kind of cool in like a terrible yes. way yes yes 
Okay, so back, forget about- uh, so We're connected on lots of different ways. We are. <laughs> we are. So you understand how the engine works. Right. Um, was there always a sense within you that there was, uh, they're trite words, but I can't think of better ones, a higher purpose? Was that always looming in the back of your mind, Sonia? Always. It was always looming in the back of my mind. And that's why I think so many people would say to me, you're different. Would you be my mentor? Will you, can I spend some time with you? I used to get all of these requests and my admins would say, do you ever turn down anyone? And I would say, no, I really don't. And they say, well, you need to eat lunch sometime, Sonia. You know, these, these calendar uh, requests are just taking us, you know, off the, the ledge here. But you, you hit the nail on the head. I knew that there was a calling and I knew that I was operating in it within corporate America, but I knew that I had a larger calling that was going to be outside of corporate America, but I didn't necessarily think about entrepreneurship. Like that was not on my bucket list. It wasn't on my bingo card as my, um, uh, my mentees say, I, I just knew that it was, important for me to show up as my authentic self in all of these three companies so that I could help people understand how, what does it look like to serve with compassion and kindness and hold people accountable? Because I absolutely did that. But the results were always mind-blowing. They were always these very different results. And people would say to me, Sonia, how are you getting these kinds of results? Like we've never seen these kinds of results before. What are you doing? And it was that whole notion of how do you truly connect with people internally and externally? Suppliers, my relationships with my suppliers were just, it, it was unheard of how we were collaborating. And that's how we got to win-win. And that's how I got to these amazing results that my team uh, was delivering. And some of this must come from your parents and how you were brought up. Absolutely. Some of it comes from other great minds who you learned from, who inspired you. And some of it, going back to something we touched on earlier, comes from those Midwest values, I have to believe. Absolutely. It's just who I am. It's who my parents are. You know, my parents grew up in Alabama, but they came to Michigan. You know, I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan, and they were always serving. They were always taking care of people. People would always come and say, hey, I need your help. And so it's not surprising to me that I would have that same calling to be able to say, what can I do to make a positive impact, a, a positive difference in the world? And, and seeing, I had a mentee from every continent with the exception of Antarctica, during my corporate days and seeing the differences between how women were operating with each other and men was really how the sister accord was born. Because I saw that men, even if they were having disagreements, even if they weren't necessarily um, uh, liking each other, they still supported each other in the workplace. When women don't like each other in the workplace, it's a whole nother ball game. And I said, what is it? What's going on? And how can I use my experiences to address what we are seeing as we talk to girls and young men 
um, you know, as they're younger. And that's really how the Sister Accord came to be. So we're about to go there, but before we do, you're sitting on top of Procter & Gamble Global Purchasing in the package area. It's a $6 billion empire. And yes. you're sitting in the corner office. <laughs> Not a lot of people leave a gig like that. No. Go back to the thinking and the origin story of the Sister Accord. And was there a moment in time? Was there a particular catalyst? Did you wake up in the middle of the night with a you know, one of those boom thoughts, give us the origin story and where the confidence came from. Cause it takes tremendous confidence and conviction in oneself mm -hmm. to leave a gig like that. Oh, and leave goodness. the safety of corporate America, which had nestled you, you Oof. know, three great companies for a couple decades. My goodness. Thank you for taking me back there though, because it's important, I think, for us to go back to those moments, those, those cross, you know, section moments in our lives, the crossroads, the, you know, what was I thinking, um, you know, at the time. And, you know, I love the world of packaging. I love the world of purchasing. I love the world of business. I love negotiating and coming up with solutions that can literally change the world and change how consumers use products. And so, you know, I had a dream. I literally had a dream. And I saw, I was on stages and I saw people in crowds and I saw young women and, you know, and I'm like, what is that, right? And I saw this sister core resolution in the dream and I keep a journal next to my bed because my dreams are so vivid sometimes, I, I like to write them down so that I can go back and reflect and say, okay, well, what does this mean? And that's literally what happened to me is I had a dream and I said, okay, now what do I do with this? I was scared to death. At the time I was the breadwinner, my husband, uh, his business uh, hadn't uh, started really taking off. And um, he, had, he was working at, at Procter & Gamble too and he had left before I, I did. So I'm thinking, if I leave now, what are we going to do if it's not successful? And I had to shift that thinking to what are we going to do if it's wildly successful? Mm. What are we going to do when people really, truly understand leadership? Because this is all about leadership development and how to do heart work, as I call it, which is the hard work to address how we interact with each other. What are those relationship principles, leadership principles that are needed? And so I said, okay, I am going to take some stock options and I'm going to bet on myself. And that's literally what I did. I took some money and I started the business and um, no loans, no investors in my business. It has been fully funded. And I think that what has been most um, amazing to me is that I have truly tapped into a humanity insight. And when we tap into humanity insights in business, 
and we sprinkle on top love, true love and compassion and caring for people, something amazing happens that in, in many instances, it's not even explainable. And that's what I believe has happened for my business. So the ambition of the Sister Accord is enormous, right? Not everybody says the number. Of, you skip right past millions and went right to billions. So the goal <laughs> to impact a billion girls and women to learn to love themselves at a time when social media is turbocharging people's low self-esteem. Yes. Um, that's a lofty goal. Go back to the beginning. What was the initial idea? Did it start off with that level of ambition or is that something that grew? Uh, unfortunately, the way I operate, it started off with the ambition, right? So I believe in dreaming big and delivering big, right? So I said, well, let me start with the foundation first. So I started my business with the 501c3. I didn't sell anything for the first, what, two, maybe two and a half years because I had cashed in those options. And so I knew how much money I had. And I always say to people, when you're, if you're going to leave, you know, make sure that you are clear about how much money you have. Because if you're worrying about paying the bills, there's no way that you can be creative and innovative when you're stressing over, you know, can we eat, right? So I started on the foundation side and I said, there are three areas that I really wanna focus on. Educating girls and women, enlightening girls and women of the power of sisterhood. So that's all the, the, the events that we have and education, we wanted to give scholarships. And then the last one was eradicating bullying and violence against girls and women. So people say to me, Sonia, how did you know that today you were going, we, we really need everything that you're talking about. How did you know? Because these things weren't as magnified when you first started the Sister Accord in 2013. How did you know? And what I always come back to are those humanity insights, really thinking about the fact that we are socialized as little girls differently than little boys. We're socialized to not like ourselves and we're socialized to not like each other. Get that. And so all of these messages come to us that, and, and bullying starts as early as the age of four. So get this. You're in kindergarten and there's bullying. These are babies. How does that happen? Well, it's social media. It's everything that we see. It's all these messages, right? And what I like to say about the sister accord is this. We're a disruptor. We're a disruptor to all of that. And I often say, you know, what's the physics theorem? An object that's in motion stays in motion until something disrupts it. Think about this for a moment. We're in, you know, we're in preschool, elementary, junior high, middle school, high school, college. Who is addressing these things? No one. And because I knew that I had a universal insight that was a global insight, okay, I knew that one billion, oh, we can do that. There's no way that we cannot do that because once people understand the work that we're doing, they're going to be attracted to it. They're going to want this. We desire to be loved and to love. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, I don't need to be loved. I don't want to be. Yes, we're created to love and be loved. And so 
when we talk about these things and self-love and I give people the tools and oh, by the way, I have just as many men and boys who are a part of this because we can't separate. We have to all come together to do this hard work. And it's just beautiful to see this and hear the stories of people saying, hey, I've overcome an anxiety disorder. Hey, I decided not to commit suicide. I decided not to take my life after listening and watching your videos. So what we're doing, this, this work that we're doing is so necessary and it's necessary for all, even though you know the sister court started off focusing on girls and women, we're really about everyone being a part of this. So you're about nine years into it now. Mm -hmm. Started very modestly, cash in some yeah. stock options, betting on yourself, betting on a vision, and trying to make that dream that you had in the late hours come to life in the day hours. Right. What are you most proud of looking back on those nine years? And what do you lament? What was the miss or something if you had a redo that you might look to take advantage of? What I'm most proud of, I would say, is that, you know, I had a lot of people telling me, well, I had a lot, let me just be very frank and honest. I had a lot of people who thought something was wrong with me, um, including my parents, right? Why would you give up that good job at Procter & Gamble? Like, it's something, and my father said, my mother used to always say, God rest her soul, do you think Sonia's okay? Like, who leaves a job that incredible? And so I had a lot of people who were looking at me like, eh, I'm not so sure. And then I had people who said, good luck with that, bringing women together on one accord. Oh my gosh, you must be out of your mind. So I had a lot of naysayers and you know people who weren't quite getting the message when I started. And the thing that I am most proud of is that I didn't give up. I had so many opportunities and companies who reached out to say, hey, we've got this amazing VP president job. And because I love that space of where I came from and where I grew up, you know, there were many times where I said, gosh, you know, I probably should just go see what they're talking about. And then I said, no, if I do that, I'm going to go for it. So I better, if I'm going to do this, I need to be 150% in this. And so I, the fact that I didn't give up is very, it's incredible to me because I never had this, this entrepreneurial journey. I just, I just didn't have this, you know, as a bucket list item. And so giving up would have been very easy for me. And I'm just so very thankful that I have not because it's just been a wonderful journey. Now, Mrs., um, I believe early on because people were giving me a lot of different advice um, and I was listening to some of that advice. And I think that um, early on, I should have made sure that I was staying focused to the core and essence of what the sister accord and the accord group, after I decided to start selling what I was doing and working with companies, 
um, I spent too much time giving people too much of my time and wasting, letting them waste my time. That is one of the biggest, biggest mistakes that I made. And, um, you know, I was able to recover from it and pivot and get back uh, focused. But I say to everyone who I coach, be mindful of who you are spending time with and um, what they are, what, what are they saying to you? Uh, because it can literally take you off track if you're not careful. And so that's one of my, uh, I'd say, big mistakes early on. But I luckily I pivoted and, and got back on track. Yeah, I think for any entrepreneur, that that's a really tough one. And, and this may not be how they teach it at the Harvard Business School. But, you know, when you're someone like you or I, where your asset is time, right? Yeah. We're not making cardboard boxes or right. you know, light bulbs or anything. It's our right. time. Right. And so how you spend that time is the barometer of success or failure. And to me, it's always been a blend of the things that you chase yeah. that might pay and, and pay can be many things, not just monetarily uh, versus the things that, you know, you know, will work uh, yes. um, and creating that balance of time. Oh, yes. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just when you just sit and think about it, isn't that amazing uh, to just think about what's so incredibly important to us as entrepreneurs, especially when you're starting out? and understanding that value of time. I don't think we truly get it, you know, uh, you know, when you first start out, but it's so, it's such an incredible lesson. Yeah, that I, I think it's only with time and doing it that you can really learn it. It's nothing you can, right. not, I don't think it's anything you can read in the book. So that's what right. were some of the early successes? What gave you cause to say, okay, I think uh, maybe we're onto something here. I think the first uh, text message, so I had uh, a tea party. August 31st of 2013 in Cincinnati. And the Hilton said, we want to partner with you. Huh? Really? Oh my gosh. These are dreams that I had and people actually want to partner. And so, um, and at the time, um, Procter & Gamble, uh, I received uh, $20,000 for the Tea Party program from my former employer. So I said, who does that, right? And so that, made me say, gosh, you know, I, I must have a winning proposition that people are willing to invest in it. And so we had our first tea party and the city of Cincinnati declared August 31st as Sister Accord Day on at the tea party. Blown away. Like we have a holiday and we celebrate it every year. So this will be our ninth year. And the Senate, the Ohio Senate gave me the highest award that they give living persons in the state of Ohio. And I said, wow, right? Right out the gate. And so that coupled with the young lady, Amber Marwahan, she's uh, all on my social media because this is something that she wanted to share her story. She said, Sonia, I came to your tea party not knowing what to expect. And something happened to me there. And I overcame an anxiety disorder that I had for many years. 
medicine, psychiatry, psychology, none of those things helped. But I came to a tea party with you from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. and something happened to me. That's when I started really paying attention and saying, whoa, what is this? And so I went to the uh, head of trauma, Dr. Victor Garcia at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And he says, Sonia, the way you have structured your company and your events, you're literally helping people heal from trauma. Really? I mean, I had no idea. And so because people were having these, these experiences that were sustained long after they left the, the event, that's when I began to really pay attention to, okay, what are we doing here? How can it be replicated? What should we be doing? And how can we measure the effectiveness of what we're doing? And that's what we started doing. And it's just, I can't even articulate to you the joy that I feel waking up every single day knowing the transformations that are happening as a result of the sister court. And you're now impacting people way beyond the great state of Ohio. Way, all the way around the world. Literally, we are global, literally. So that's how we're gonna to get to our billion. And, and what's so cool about it is I've been able to take these programs into corporations and, and, and consulting around culture and all of the things that I was doing in corporate America uh, as an employee, I'm able to take that now. And it's just a wonderful thing to see and hear leaders talk about and, and leaders are at all levels. When I say leaders, I'm talking about everyone talk about how this has helped them uh, make a difference in their performance, make a difference in terms of how they show up uh, every day and their results. I mean, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. So we're in an interesting time now in that the leaders that we've elected to lead us mm -hmm. are failing, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're Democrat, Republican, or somewhere in between, mm -hmm. uh, it is a universal truth that our leaders are not doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And corporations are increasingly cognizant that their customers care yeah. about issues that they care about and they are more responsive to companies that recognize that business and purpose are not in conflict with each other, right? We accept right. these as points of fact. Right. You've had real experience working with companies like Wells Fargo and TJ Maxx and ESPN and others. Mm -hmm. Give us your sense about companies and their real views on doing things that actually help people beyond simply selling more product and service. Some of your experiences on the positive side and perhaps if there are any, some that might have let you down a little bit. Well, you know, back to the insights uh, piece that I was talking about in terms of what I had tapped into, uh, one of the things that I loved about what we, how we operated at Procter & Gamble was our CMK organization, Consumer Market Knowledge, and how we literally would go into people's homes. We literally went on shopping visits with them to really understand them. And so one of the things that I created, you know, for my company is this no model. How do you drive knowledge of your consumers in a way where you know them 
almost in some instances better than they know themselves because people will tell you that they have certain practices and, oh, I do this and I do that. And what we would find when we did the shop alongs or when we went into the homes, people would say that they do those things, but they didn't always do them, right? So when we study them, we were able to truly find out what is important to them. And I encourage companies, everyone who I consult with and and work with to please understand your consumers and serve them in a way that is superior to anybody else where they won't even look at another company's products that is in the consideration set. And I love the way that we did that uh, with P&G. And, and, and I think you see, you've seen some of the evidence of that with the moms uh, and Olympics integrations. Uh, they did a, a lot around my Black is Beautiful trying to talk to um, African-American consumers in ways that they felt like they had totally um, missed the mark, particularly in the beauty uh, industry. And so I think that um, the work that we started doing when I was still at Procter & Gamble is some of the best insights work uh, that's out there. I feel uh, you know, very good when I see some of the things that have come out of, of the organization. And I think more companies have to do that so that they are clear about who they're serving and what's important to them. And they can look at where are those synergies? What positions do we want to take? And how will we talk about those positions? And when and where are people most receptive to actually hearing those messages? I think it's, it's incredibly important. And I think it's gonna be even more important as we move forward with everything that we're seeing in our country today. Happy with where you are today, nine years in? Oh, I am so, I, I tell you, I literally, I wake up with a level of joy. People have said to me, Sonia, you're glowing. Do you know that you're glowing? I'm like, glowing? I just think it's the joy that's on the inside of being able to work with so many amazing leaders and companies and, and people, uh, it's just in organizations, it's, 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 it's a feeling that is indescribable to, to know that I am making a difference. And I think that's what most people on earth, uh, who are living, uh, today, uh, that's what people want. We want to make a difference. We want to know that the work that we are doing is indeed uh, having a positive impact. And so I'm so excited about where we are today and where we're going to go for the next nine years. Let's talk about something new that I think is really exciting and that's the Sister Accord Accelerator. Yes! <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Oh my gosh, yes. Go ahead, the ball's yours, Sonia. Oh, I can have it, okay. So I have been dreaming. And I think, again, this goes back to my days at Ford Motor Company, where I started a women's resource group uh, at Ford, when that was unheard of. And people said, oh, you're going to get fired. And I said, no, I'm not going to get fired. Because, A, I'm going to make sure that I do things decently and in order. So I'm going to engage leaders and talk to them about why I think this is important. And then I'm going to deliver right? And I'm going to make sure that I am showing up and doing the things that I need to do. 
and it was wildly successful. And people, some people have said, and I have not been able to validate this, but that, you know, that was the first uh, ERG uh, at Ford Motor Company. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I was a trailblazer in my thinking about how do I serve where I see that there are opportunities um, and there are gaps. And so that's what I saw and that's what I acted on. And so I think from that to today, I've just always wanted to have a program that helped women focus on how to scale their business and be able to not just talk about it, but give them resources. And I say this all the time, you can go on TV, you can go wherever the radio and talk all day about, oh, we've got to help women-owned businesses and we've got to help these businesses. Okay, well, what are you going to invest in them? And so I wanted to make sure that we were giving money, that we were able to mentor, coach, expose them to networks. And that's what the Sister Accord Accelerator is all about. Uh, Jean Freeman from Zambezi Agency uh, donated $50,000 to the Sister Accord Foundation. The Sister Accord LLC gave $10,000. So we picked six women, diverse, amazing women, to be a part of this first inaugural cohort. And when I tell you, like we started in April, they are already seeing their businesses scale. So it happened quickly, just with an infusion of some cash and some guidance. And it's powerful when you see and, and you'll you know, hear and, and more about what we're doing with these six businesses, but just amazing. Um, and so the Sister Accord Accelerator was uh, a dream come true for me. I've been dreaming about it for years, thinking about it and praying and hoping that someone would invest in what we're doing. And Jean Freeman uh, saw what we were doing and said, I want to invest in that. What a fantastic story. And you are literally making a difference in people's lives all over the world. Thank you. It's a great vision. Uh, your bravery for not doing what most would have done, which is either stay where you were yeah. or respond differently when someone at another company came at you with a big job. Yes. Uh, you yes. stuck to your vision. Uh, you're making it happen. And I'm so glad that Katie suggested that we have you on Great Minds. What a joy it is to talk to you, Sonia. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for saying those things. People have said, oh my gosh, um, you're courageous, you're brave. And, you know, I had never thought about it until I looked back at my journey and I'm like, wow, that was pretty courageous. That was pretty brave, you know, especially being that breadwinner. I was scared. I did it afraid. And that's what I say to people. You know, sometimes we have to do it afraid. Well, it's beyond commendable. And, you know, the thing I'm proudest of with our run here at Advertising Week is that we've been able to shine the spotlight on important causes and issues and involve all of us, you know, yes. no matter where you come from, what you believe, what color you are, what race you are, what religion you are, what creed you are. And I'd love to continue this conversation with you and get you on stage in New York. I think you'd be fantastic. And uh, uh, I love this conversation. So thank you so much for doing it. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you for what you do. We need people like you. 
we have to shine a light on the fact that we are more alike than we are different. How do we take the essence and core of what makes all of us great and bring that together and magnify that? That's the hard work that I'm talking about that's going to, I call it a love deficit, going to address the love deficit that I believe that we have. And, and, and what's so important is we have the power to make a difference. And that's what's so awesome about it. So thank you for giving people like myself a platform to talk about these things. There's nothing I can say that can top that. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. Chaptering and other structural elements for this podcast are powered by Snackable AI. With the ability to unify all content in one place, have AI distill the best insights instantaneously, and share them seamlessly, businesses on Snackable create more relevant value for their audiences faster than ever before. Learn more at snackable.ai.